1992, a bad thing happened, a real bad thing. My dad died, and the day, uh, the day after he died, I had gone home. I was at my parents. We were getting ready for the, preparing for the funeral, and the phone rang. And uh, I answered the phone, and they, the person on the other end said, uh, this is, uh, we're calling for George W. H. W. Bush, Daddy Bush. We have a picture. This was in 1992. I hate to admit I was alive then, but I was. And, uh, and, and there was a pause. They said, is this the Robert Craig residence? And I said, yes. And there's this pause. And I'm thinking... The pre- you know, my dad's died horrible. The president is calling to offer his condolence. I mean, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, you know, the president's calling because your father had passed away. And so there's, you know, I'm, I'm waiting on how I'm going to answer. Hey, yes, and if you need some help with the White House, I'd be glad to come. I'm, you know, I'm pretty educated, these things. And then after the pause was over, they said, we're just calling to see if we have your vote in the November election. And, uh, you know, I was heartbroken then. Uh, You've had phone calls like that, haven't you? That girl or that guy texts you or calls you and you're excited until they realize, you realize they wanted your friend's number. <laughs> it's great to see you, Nick, but can I have uh, Randall's phone number? Yeah, that's, that's tough, isn't it? This morning, we're going to look at Exodus 3 and 4. Exodus 3 and 4, and you're not going to be disappointed with this call. You're going to be challenged. My bet is you're going to make excuses, but you're not going to be disappointed uh, at who's calling you. Here's, let's begin with this. It's kind of a quick review if you were here last week. Uh, If you weren't, we'll catch up to speed. Number one, God is calling you today. God is calling you today. God's got a word for you today. God has got a message for you this morning. In Exodus chapter 3 and 4, We're going to start in in chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. In verse 4, when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. So let me give you a quick review uh, or catch you up to speed. Moses is an 80-year-old dude, and he is, uh, he's out doing what shepherds do. He's looking for grass for his sheep. It calls Horeb, or Sinai, those are synonymous, the mountain of God, but most scholars believe that's in retrospect. That he's writing this years later, and, and so they can call it the mountain of God because that's where he met God. He's going to get the Ten Commandments. But probably it was just an ordinary mountain to them. He's doing what shepherds do. He's on the backside of the mountain looking, looking for uh, grass, and he sees a bush burning up. Now, in the desert, this is probably a, just a typical Acadian bush of this this uh, grew up in this area and for for bushes to internally combust was not uncommon and happened but Moses was smart enough that when the bush blew up and it didn't burn up he said I'm going to go check it out so Moses goes over there and it says that God called him from within the bush that God 
called him. And that Hebrew word, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, called means to call someone by name. It means to summon someone. It means to call them for a task. In other words, it was God saying, Moses, I know you and I've got a word for you. And Moses said to God, here I am, which was what that means is Moses was saying, God, speak to me. I'm open to hear what you have to hear. I want to tell you something that's phenomenal today. God knows you by name. God of the universe knows you by name. He knew you were going to be here this morning. And I believe with all my heart, if you're willing to listen, God is trying to speak to you by name. God is trying to say something to you. God has a task or something he wants you to do. And your response right now, right now needs to be, God, I'm open. Here I am. Here I sit. Speak to me, God. I want to hear what you have to hear. That thought is life-changing. It really is. All, all of you in here know who Tyler Perry is. He's a great actor. He plays Medea. We have a boxer we named Medea because she's crazy, just like Medea is in the movies. Tyler Perry said when he was growing up, I, I don't know much about his upbringing, but he said he was extremely insignificant. He said even in his home, he was considered nothing. He said, in my home, I was a non-existent person. Nobody even recognized me. But he said, when I was a little boy, something happened that changed my life. Our next-door neighbor, a man named Mr. Johnson, called me by name. He knew who I was. He began to love me and show interest in me. And he showed me that my life mattered and that I was somebody. I want to tell you this morning, your life matters. You are somebody. God's calling you by name. And God's got a message and a task for you. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Pretty scary, but it's pretty exciting. Now, what was God's message for Moses? In verse 7 through 10, it says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. The, the, the Jewish people have been slaves in Egypt 400 years. I've heard them crying out because of the slave drivers. I'm concerned. I love that God sees, God's hears, and God's heart is of compassion. I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, the most powerful people in the world, and bring them to the promised land. In verse 9, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. And Moses is saying, God, this is awesome. Go get them, God. Free my people, 400 years of slavery. And then God throws the beanball right at Moses' head. If you don't know what a beanball is in baseball, that means the ball's coming at you. Verse 10, so now go, Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You know, to us, that may sound like that was an awesome thing, but I want to tell you, that was not what Moses was expecting, nor was he wanting to hear. I want to tell you this morning, if you're listening, you're open, God's not trying to say something to you. What might he be saying? It may be a, a hundred things. He may be telling you today for the first time you genuinely need to give your life to Christ. Some of you, he's telling you you need to come back to God. You're a Christian, but you've been away for a long time. Months, maybe years, and it's time to come back to God. Maybe it's time to join the church. When we do our pledge in a, a minute, maybe God's laying something on your heart that you should do that'll be miraculous. Maybe God's telling you to change a career to go back to school, to switch your majors. Maybe God's telling you you need to break up with someone, or maybe he's telling you, especially you guys, you need to man up and just ask her to marry you. 
Girls, I don't have any clue what he's going to tell you to say, but maybe he's telling some of these men to say that. I don't know what God's trying to tell you. You may know, you may not know, but I want to tell you, if you're listening, God's trying to speak. So here's our second thing this morning. This isn't pretty, but this is the truth. What's your excuse going to be? <laughs> if God, the God of the universe is trying to communicate to you and me this morning, how are you going to respond? I want to tell you the way most of us begin is not, here am I, send me, God, I want to do it. We start making excuses. And by the way, that's exactly what Moses did. That's how we know Moses was a Baptist, right? <laughs> well, he could have been a Methodist, Presbyterian, anything, because we're all built this way. Here's the first question I want to ask you. Here's the first thing Moses said. God's calling you this morning. Here's what you may be saying. Who am I, God? Who am I? Who me? That you're calling me to do this? In verse 11, Moses said, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Let's do a little bit of background on Moses. Moses was a Jewish person, but he had been raised by the Egyptians, the most powerful people in the world. In fact, he was raised by the, the princess in the palace for 40 years. This dude was raised, it's like being raised in the White House on steroids. I mean, he, this was awesome. He grew in a powerful place. But Moses murdered somebody. He was a murderer, not accidentally, not involuntary manslaughter. It was a first degree, kill the guy and hide him in the sand murder. He fled Egypt at 40 because they were going to kill him. He left basically treasonous against his own country. So now he spent 40 years in the desert as a shepherd. I said this last week, doesn't mean a lot to you and me, Egyptians looked down on shepherds as the lowest form of labor there was. So Moses had been at the pinnacle living in the palace. Now to the Egyptians, he is the lowest form of life. He is a shepherd and he's 80 years old. He's got his AARP card in his robe. You know, he's just gone to Luby's there in the desert and got the senior discount. And he's probably getting ready for a nap when the bush shows up. <laughs> No wonder he's asking, God, are you really speaking to me? And see, that's what some of you are saying. And the first part of this is good because it's humility. And you're struggling with God could call me to be a missionary, a preacher. God could call me to serve or give in a way that I don't think I can. God may be calling me to do something that's going to be really hard. God's calling me to do that. If that's your response right off the bat, that's not bad. But you can't stay there. Some of the greatest things that have ever happened were by people who shouldn't have been able to do it. Beethoven was one of the greatest uh, musicians ever. At 42, he was deaf. Michelangelo, at 89, was still making designs and writing poetry. If you feel inadequate, that's okay. But here's how God answers Moses' inadequacies. In verse 12, God says to him, And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that, that, that you're going to come back and worship with these people someday on this mountain. You see, God says to Moses, Moses, okay, you don't feel like that you have the power or the strength to do this. Guess what, Moses? I'm going with you. Write this down or write it in your head. One plus God equals a majority. 
One plus God equals a majority. If you're in God's will, that's key. You're doing what God wants you to do. It doesn't matter really who you are if God's with you. Amen? Amen. And that's what he was telling Moses. Now, Moses didn't finish making excuses. Oh, not by a long shot. But in verse 13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What is his name? What shall I tell them? Hey, God, I know something weird's going on here. This bush is burning, and it's not burning up, and a voice is coming out of it. And I recognize that that voice, I hadn't been drinking, and, and, and this, is, this is you, God. But what am I to tell them? See, in Egypt, there's a lot of different gods, had a lot of different gods by names. And Moses is saying, I want to be clear because God hadn't spoken to a Jewish person in 400 years since Jacob. God, who, who is this, by the way? Identify yourself to me, God. And one of the classic great statements in the Bible, in chapter 3, verse 14, here's what God says. God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. You know, for years, I had no idea what, that's, what that meant. But that sounds cool, doesn't it? Who are you? I am who I am. Here's what God was saying. This is what that means. God was saying, I'm the one who's always been. I'm the one who is today. And I'm going to be the one who always is. That's a pretty good dude to have on your side, right? Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know how he did it all, but I know this. God, the Bible says he did it. I believe he did it. And that's what he was telling Moses. He said, Moses, you feel like you're a nobody? That's fine. I'm a somebody. I'm the eternal, everlasting, omnipresent, all-powerful God. And listen, if I'm telling you to do this, I am not going to desert you. Whatever God is telling you to do this morning, don't hide behind the real humility that you're a nobody. Being a nobody is a great place to start for some of us. Someone said Moses had to spend 40 years in Egypt to be a somebody, then 40 years in the desert to be a nobody, and then when he was a nobody, God was ready to make him a somebody again. If you're saying this morning, who am I to have this task? That's fine. If God's the one telling you to do it, God's going to be with you every step of the way. And if you've got the God of the universe with you every step of the way, you're going to be okay. Moses wasn't done yet, though. <laughs> you're probably not either. Here's the second thing. He asked this, what if others won't support me? Moses is 80, and he's already worried about peer pressure. See, peer pressure doesn't end in kindergarten. I'm telling you, at the Russ house today, the nursing homes, there's peer pressure. <laughs> In chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And say, the Lord did not appear to you. Moses is worried. Hey, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? How are they going to respond when I obey you? Some of you are saying the same thing this morning. Verse 2 through 5, listen to his response. God says to him, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? It's a staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. Turned, hold right there for a second. I don't know about you. I'd rather have been an armadillo, <laughs> a possum. In Louisiana, it would have been a possum, wouldn't it? That poop. <laughs> Verse 4 and 5. 
It says the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out. That took more faith than anything in my opinion. And it turned back into a staff. And, and I'm not going to read this in verse 5 through 9. But he continues. He goes, Moses, I'm going to affirm you to those people. Put your hand in your cloak. He put his hand in his cloak and he pulled it out. It had leprosy, the terrible skin disease. He put it back in his cloak. He was healed. And he said, they don't believe that. You're going to take dirt and throw it in the Nile River and the Nile River is going to become blood. Moses, you don't worry about what other people are going to say. If I'm behind you and I'm with you, I will confirm you. Listen, a lot of you are waiting on a sign. Most of the time, signs follow faith. You obey God and then he confirms you. And if you're in God's will, I understand you are afraid. Some of you are afraid, if I give my life to Christ, if I get serious about Christ, my wife, some of you men are sissies, my wife, what is she going to say or think? And some of you women, you think, what is my husband going to think? And if your boyfriend or girlfriend's thinking that, break up with them. And some of you kids are saying, I, 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 this is terrible, but you're saying if I really get serious for God, my parents are going to freak out. Let them freak. And some of you parents are wondering, what if I get serious for God? What are my kids going to do? Who cares? You're the adult. Don't grow past that. You cannot be controlled the rest of your life by what other people are thinking or going to say or think about you. If God is leading you to a new career, a change of direction in your life to follow him fully whatever it is listen to God before other people you need to listen to people I'm not telling you not to do that but ultimately when you hear the voice of God you got to obey it the the the, the, Mount Everest is uh Josh and I've climbed that twice it's really not that tough we could roll down it, couldn't we, Josh? We could get, we could get down Mount Everest, we could, and then they would have our funeral in a matchbox when we got back. The, the first lady, her name was Stacy Ellison, who ever climbed Mount Everest, here's what she said. If I would have listened to others and followed the advice of others, I would have never done it. All they said is, you can't, you can't, you'll fail, you'll die, you can't, you can't. She said, I knew I was supposed to do it, and I did it. Steve Largent. Steve Largent was one of the great, his ear, one of the great NFL receivers. He's in the Hall of Fame, the highest honor a professional athlete can get today. In the the National Football League Hall of Fame, everybody told him, you're too short, you're too slow, you'll never make it. You're You're too short, you're too slow. Listen. Don't hide behind the excuse. What are others going to say or think? You listen and follow the voice of God. And God will confirm you and be with you. Here's the third thing. And this is real too. We say, I don't have the ability. I just can't do this. God, God you, first of all, think about how dumb this is. God's telling you to do something and we respond. Very normal, but how dumb. I can't do it. That, may, that means God's dumb. I mean, if God's calling you to do something you can't do, that would mean God has missed it. And God had never missed it. And God is not dumb. In, in chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, Oh God, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. One of a couple of things. 
Maybe Moses did have a little speech impediment. I don't think that's true. Write this if you're taking notes, Acts 7.22. In Acts 7.22, it says in the New Testament, Moses was powerful in speech and tongue. He was powerful in his speech and his action. Some people think, Moses was rightly thinking, I spent 40 years tending sheep. Pharaoh's the most powerful guy in the world. And if I go and try to debate with him, I'm going to get my head handed to me. Now, whether you like politicians in Washington or not is not my point this morning. But most of those guys are skilled in arguing. If you don't believe me, watch the next debate. And they would, they would handle a lot of us. Even if they were wrong, they would make us look bad. Maybe Moses was worried about that. Some people believe that Moses had spent 40 years away from the Egyptians, and his Egyptian dialect was not good anymore. One of my good friends in Texas grew up in Mexico. They crossed over to America when he was six years old. He learned English watching Sesame Street. And, and then he moved away from his family and went to college and a career. And he would go back once or twice a year uh, in South Texas to his parents, and they spoke Spanish. And he struggled with his Spanish because he didn't practice it much. Maybe that was the deal with Moses. Maybe that's the deal with you this morning. You're finding a reason to justify why you're not obeying God. I don't have the ability. I can't give because of this. I can't serve because of this. Well, God's called me to be a preacher. I can't do that. God's calling me to be a Sunday school teacher. I can't do that. I just don't have the ability. In verse 11 and 12, God answers Moses. It says, The Lord said to him, Who gave a man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight? It is I, the Lord. Now go, I will help you speak and, and will teach you what to say. Write this down. God's calling is God's enabling. If God calls you to do it, he is going to empower you to do it. Amen? Well, I think I'll call them to preach and then he doesn't give you any kind of gift to preach. That's crazy. God's calling is God's enabling. God empowers you to do it. You will be able to do it. How many of you know who James Earl Jones is? If anybody, you know who he is. He's an actor. And he, if anybody has the voice of God, it's him. <laughs> I am James Earl Jones. It's great. Every preacher just lusts after his voice. I mean, it's so awesome. Uh, when he was growing up, he stuttered horribly. It's so bad that he was considered functionally a mute. He just wouldn't talk until a high school speech teacher took him under her wing and helped him get past those things. And today he's a multimillionaire actor and again has a voice that just resonates with everybody and a smile that does too. Folks, I want to tell you today, I don't know what excuse you're making I don't know what you're saying. Well, I can't serve God. I can't do this. I can't obey God in this area of my life. I don't have the ability. Whatever God is calling you to do, he will empower you to do it. Here's the last thing, and this is where, this is where most of us are. I just don't want to do it. Now, I'm not talking about you, but let's think about people you know. How many of you would agree, people you know, this is the bottom line. They just don't want to do it. Well, raise your hands. Help me just a second. It's the truth. It, 
Moses said, I don't have the ability. Who am I? What are other people going to think? I'm 80, but I'm worried about peer pressure. And the bottom line, then Moses says in verse uh, 13, but Moses said, Lord, please send somebody else. See, the bottom line, Moses just didn't want to heed the call of God. And if you don't want to do something, any excuse is as good as the next. Verse 14 is very interesting. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. The only time in this whole narrative God gets mad is here. And it's interesting, that word, his anger burned, literally means it's an emotional anger. It's the idea of someone getting hot that God's nostrils flared, literally the picture here, that, that, God, that God said, Moses, I'm telling you this is what I want you to do, and we've gotten to the root of it. You just don't want to obey me. And the problem with many of us is that God is leading us to do some things. Maybe you know specifically, maybe you don't, maybe it's on the edge of your heart. You just don't want to do it. And if that's where you are, you're normal. But here's the last thing today. Just do it. Just do it. What is God calling you to do? What's God leading you to do? If you want an excuse, you will always have an excuse. If you want to be squared up with God, just do it. Hey, this is a great quote. I don't know who it came from. But the price of obedience is high, but it's nothing compared to the price of disobedience. It's tough to obey God in hard things. It costs you, but it costs you a lot more to disobey God. In in chapter 4, verse 18, listen to Moses. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law. And here's what he said. He said, man, Jethro... God has spoke to me in a bush. I am so fired up. I'm going to go back there. I'm going to put that Pharaoh in a headlock. I'm going to rough him up. I'm going to get these millions of people, free laborers out of there. And we're going to come back here and worship. And it's going to be party time in the desert. Now listen to what Moses said. Let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Is that not funny? There were millions of them still alive. God wasn't sending him on a recon mission to see if any of them were still alive. He knew that. Listen, Moses went to see his father-in-law like this. You mind if I leave and go and just see if any of them are okay? I want to tell you something this morning that may sound funny coming from a preacher. It doesn't matter why you obey God, just obey him. I, I, listen, I am, I am for people getting fired up and excited about Jesus. In fact, we need to amp that up 10 degrees here in our church. But God, God wants you to obey him. And if you're not excited and you obey him, good. Does it matter to you parents if you've got a little kid and you tell them to stay out of the road? If they, if they obey you out of fear or out of love, just as long as they obey you, Right? Obey God. Just do what God's laying on your heart to do. Will you? Let's pray.
you're a Christian this morning, God's speaking to you. You know there's things that need to happen in your life. Just pray you'll have the courage to do it. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're unsure, God's calling you to Him this morning. God's calling you to salvation. If you're ready, would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son. I accept that, that you died and rose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. I give you my life today. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand in a second. When we do, respond to God. Respond to God. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus in your heart. Are you ready to do that? When we stand, leave your seat. I know it's hard. Come today and respond to Him. Some of you, God's leading you to join this church. You can join after church. Catch one of us. We'll help you do that. Maybe today you need to leave your seat. And come and join the church today. God's calling you to do that. Christians, maybe you don't know what God's saying to you today. Just say yes. You can trust God. Tell God today whatever it is you call me to do, I'll do it. Some of you know, you know what God's laying on your heart. You know what God wants you to do. Say yes to God. Maybe you want to come and pray at the altar or pray with a minister. Maybe just where you are, say yes to God. Let's stand.